All right, we're continuing our series on relationships today. If you were with us last week or watched online, uh, I promise I'm going to try not to cry today. I'm not speaking on parenting, which was a, a bad decision on my part last week uh, with my daughter about to graduate. Uh, so today, uh, I'm, I'm, my goal is, is not to weep through the entire uh, message. But we're talking about uh, conflict today. This is the one about conflict. And so in the book, Crucial Conversations, the authors note, consider the groundbreaking research done by Dr. Janice uh, Glasher and Dr. Ronald Glasher, they studied the immune systems of couples who had been married an average of 42 years by comparing those who argued constantly with those who resolved their differences effectively. It turns out that arguing for decades doesn't lessen the destructive blow of constant conflict. Conflict. Quite the contrary, those who routinely failed their crucial conversations had far weaker immune systems than those who found a way to resolve them well. Of course, the weaker the immune system, then the worse the health. So conflict has a, has a health impact on, on your life. And so it's good that we learn how to have a good fight. And what I mean by that is that we... We learn how to deal with conflict because relationships are going to have conflict. Amen? Today we're going to continue this series and we're looking at different relational topics. Last week we talked about parenting. We've talked about loyalty, love. Today talking about conflict. And let's be honest, there's some people that thrive on conflict. They love a little drama in their lives, right? There are others that do everything in their power to avoid it. And so if we're going to have good relationships, whether at work, at home, at, at, with our friends, we need to learn how to navigate conflict. And so I want us to look at one of my favorite stories in the Bible. You've heard me preach on this story before, but never in this way. It's the story of Joseph and his brothers, and it's a great illustration of how to handle conflict and, and, and what conflict is all about. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 37, verse 2. If you want to go to connectedhope.com, click on the Bible app button. You can follow along uh, in the notes as well. Of course, it'll be on the screen as well. It says, this is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the son of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other brothers because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. And Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. So through this passage of Scripture, what I want to show you is some reasons that we have conflict. The first reason is this, is that one person makes the other person look bad, right? Think about that. His brothers, the sons of Bilhah, and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wife. And then, um, and he brought their father, what did he say? A bad report about them. The King James Version uses this word. It says it brought him an evil report. 
an evil report. So what it would appear here is alluded to here is so what sin it was alluded to here is so what sin it was we don't know, but somehow his brothers were doing something that was against the law of the day, and and he was going to work it out. He was going to tell on them and kind of be a little bit of a tattletale here at this point. And so we do know that Joseph told his fathers about it. They were tending the flocks of their father. Perhaps they were stealing some for their own purpose. We don't know that. Maybe they were slacking, being lazy when they should have been working. And regardless, Joseph went and he told their father about them. In life, sometimes we see one person trying to make the other person look bad. They want to be the teacher's pet. They want the promotion so they'll use others or make others look bad to make themselves look better. They, uh, maybe some in your family jockey for position with the family patriarch to try to, to get on the good side of, of those. And so maybe they'll twist things around or twist words to make themselves appear like either the victim or the hero. They're wanting to look good so they make others look bad. The second thing that we see in this story not only do we see it, Joseph maybe uh, telling on his brothers, but two, we see some favoritism here. Look at in verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. We know that as the coat of many colors, right? And so the scripture tells us that Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. He was obviously the favorite. Obviously, he was the favorite. He, loved, he was loved more than any of his sons. We have a, a thing in our family that when one of us does something that pleases uh, Sasha, uh, and you know that could be something as simply as making the bed, she'll say, how does it feel to be mom's favorite? Well, we all are mom's favorite one time. Maddie probably gets a little bit more because she's, uh, Kenzie and I tend to lean on the messy side and, and Maddie tends to lean on the, uh, you know, neat freak side. And so she tends to get that maybe a little bit more, but it's, it, it's a joke because really in our family, there's, you know, if, if you want to make Kenzie cry, basically you have to try to get her to choose who's her favorite between me and her mother. She will not choose. Now, Maddie, when she was younger, would choose, you know, it was me. We, we, we know it is me still to this day, but uh, it, it just depends. It depends on what she needs at that time, you know. Uh, but, but the reality is we try to create a culture in our family where each kid is on the same level playing field. Obviously, Israel didn't do that. He had a favorite. He had a favorite, and he let everyone know that Joseph was his favorite by giving him a special coat. So what happens when that happens? Resentment, bitterness sets in. When one person is given preferential treatment over another, when one employee is treated better than the other employees, what happens? Conflict. Conflict. When one family member is deemed the favorite, conflict happens. When you notice that friends are treating others better than they treat you, there's hurt, there's pain, which leads to conflict. The third thing we see, and really favoritism kind of brings into this, is jealousy. Jealousy. When his brothers 
saw that their father, verse 4, loved more him more than any of them, they hated him. Now, I, I'm sure that Joseph's brothers were jealous of the attention that their father was giving him. Think about that. He had played favorites. He gives him what at the time would have been a sweet coat of many colors. Now, I know that us in this culture probably would not want that kind of coat of many colors, but that was a special treatment that was a special coat for him. And we see later in the chapter in verses 12 through 13 that Israel sends Joseph to go and check on his brothers. And what that shows me is that while they were off working, Even though he was old enough to work, he was 17, and in that culture, that was definitely old enough to work. He was back at home. He didn't have to go with his brothers to graze the flocks. He got to stay at home. He got the better job. And so his father had played favorites, and so now his brothers see him and see all the special treatment that he's getting, and there's a little bit of jealousy that has rised up in their hearts. And so Proverbs 27 tells us that anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but who can survive the destructiveness of jealousy? Who can survive the destructiveness of jealousy? Jealousy is something that tears families apart. It tears workplaces apart. It tears churches apart. It tears friendships and relationships apart. Because when we see that somebody maybe is getting a little bit better treatment than us, or we feel that, or it may not even be the case, but we feel that in our heart, there's a little bit of jealousy that rises up. Number four, poor communication. Write that down. Look, he says, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. His brothers could not speak a kind word to him. This is just one example of poor communication in relationships. There's other examples. There's hurtful words. There, there, there's things that are said maybe that, that you pick up on. And, and let me tell you, one of the most dangerous things nowadays is email and text because you think you're texting somebody else. And then when you text somebody else, you accidentally include the person that you're, that you're talking about in the text. Come on. You know, I've, I've seen that happen before. And it's like, well, okay. Thankfully, that's never happened to me. But I'm, I'm saying it can happen to you. I've, I've seen that happen where all of a sudden you think you're texting your wife and, and you end up texting your boss or you texting a friend or you texting somebody else. And all of a sudden there's, there's a conflict because you chose, to handle, uh, you chose to handle a situation and communicate in a poor manner. So there's hurtful words. How many know that sarcasm is one of the worst things possible that we can have? That, that, you know, you, you become sarcastic with somebody and there's hurt and there's pain there. What about bringing up the past? I, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, conflict has been taken care of. You've dealt with that conflict. You've dealt with that, that issue in your family. And then you all of a sudden get in a fight and you bring up that, that, that list of things. Well, you remember back in 1998 when we first got married and nothing when we were doing this and you said that and, this, and you're just like your mother. <laughs> Come on. How many have said something that you regretted before? 
Don't raise your hand, but we would all probably should raise our hand. In fact, we should all raise both hands on that. How many know making fun is, is a, a form of poor communication? Not communicating with someone. This, this is the biggest one. Not communicating with someone the way they receive communication. We all have different personality types. We all have. In fact, the other day I was reading, I may bring this up uh, when, we, when we talk about marriage here in the next week or so. But um, I was reading this book um, called Wired That Way. Uh, Marita Littire, uh, her mom was Florence Littire that worked, wrote the classic book per- Personality Plus, and it was dealing with personality types. And it was talking about uh, personalities in marriage, and it, and it uh, described my personality and Sasha's personality, and it said that it is absolutely the worst the absolutely worst two combinations that you could have, and, and, and like your marriage is basically doomed if you have this kind of personality combination. Well, guess what? By the grace of God, we have learned how to live with one another where we're thriving and not just surviving. Amen? I believe that, but its reality is I've had to learn how to communicate on her level, and she's had to learn how to communicate based on my personality, you know, uh, we, could, we could unpack that a little bit more. Maybe we will here in the next week or two. But here's another value of poor, uh, of poor communication. Assuming they know what you mean. Assuming they know what you mean. That's poor communication. Number five, write this in your notes if you're taking notes today. Hatred. Look what he said. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Joseph's brothers despised him because of their father's favoritism, jealousy, and his dream. And when someone has hated, uh, has hatred for someone, whether it's in a family, whether it's a friend group, whether it's at a church, whether it's a workplace, guess what happens? It puts tension in the entire room, right? It puts tension in the entire room when there's conflict and everyone knows it, but nobody wants to deal with it. And that, that puts everybody where everybody's on edge. Everybody's ready to explode. Everybody's ready to hand, you know, just, but they're just waiting for the shoe to drop, right? Proverbs 10, 12 says this. Well, it did say that until I moved it. Proverbs 10, 12, it still says it, but let me get back to it. Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love covers all offenses. Okay, so if we know that bad communication, if we know that hatred and that jealousy, we, we know that uh, favoritism, we know that all of this different stuff causes conflict, trying, one person trying to make another one look bad, then how do we resolve conflict? Because guess what? Conflict is going to happen. So how do we resolve? As followers of Jesus Christ, and this is what it is all about, as followers of Jesus Christ, how do I resolve conflict with somebody? How do you resolve conflict with somebody? How do we resolve conflict with each other? The very first thing, write this down. This is key. Handle conflict biblically. Handle conflict biblically. Look at Genesis 45, verse 1. Then Joseph... 
This is after Joseph had gone to the pit, after he's been, you know, if you know the story, he was thrown in the pit, then he ends up at Potiphar's house and, in the, and into the prison. That, now he's in Pharaoh's palace, and he, he's, he's now the guy that's in charge. His brothers have been coming to him, trying to get food. He's giving it to them, and now... This is a moment where his brothers are going to discover that he is Joseph, the guy that they threw in the pit, the guy that they got rid of many years ago and lied to their father and said a wild animal must have gotten him. And now they're going to resolve the conflict. Look at verse 45, chapter 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence? So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. Joseph didn't try to handle the problem with his brothers with everybody around. He asked them to leave. He understood that this was between him and his brothers. When, he, when we have a conflict, we don't need to air our dirty laundry. Let that sink in for a second. Because in our culture, what we want to do is we want to do what they call subtweeting. Subtweeting is where we tell the story, but we don't give the person's name. But anybody who's close to us knows what we're talking about. And definitely the person that we're having the conflict with knows what we're talking about. Social media is not a place for you to resolve conflict. Let me, let me help you out with that. When we have conflict, we don't need to air our dirty laundry for everybody to hear. We need to handle it biblically. So why do we feel, why do we feel in our culture, in our world, that we need to bring other people in on our dysfunction? If we have an issue with somebody, posting about it, getting a group of people together and telling the story and telling the conflict, what does that do? It only fans the flame of our dysfunction. It only fans the flame of the conflict. And so I heard a pastor friend of mine say once, he said this. He said, we are going to try and do what the Bible says in regards to handling conflict. And if that doesn't work, then we can go back to our old dysfunctional ways. Wow. Matthew chapter 18. How do we handle conflict? Verse 15. If you want to know, this is red letters right here. This is what Jesus said. He says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everyone, everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Here's what happens. We get that backwards. We have conflict with somebody. We take it to everybody else before we ever go deal with the person in privately. But then what happens is when we resolve the issue privately, all the damage has already been done. And we can't go back and undo what has been done. I was reading a book one time, and the author of the book, Jeannie Mayo, she talked about two girls that were in their youth group that had stirred up a bunch of stuff. So what she did, she took them to the rooftop of the church, and she had them get two, two pillows that had feathers in it. 
And she's bring, bring the pillows up. And so they got to the top of the church, and she said, okay, here, cut the pillows open. They cut them open. She said, I want you to go. I want you just to throw this, just have fun, just throw the, the feathers all over the place. And the wind caught the feathers, and they just blew in every direction. The feathers just flew and flew and flew. And she said, you know, you had an issue with so-and-so, and you told everybody else about it before you ever went and talked to them. Or, and, and she said, I want you to go and get all those feathers. And they said, they said there's no way we could get all those feathers. And she said, exactly. And no, long, no, you can't go and take every unkind word, every hateful word that you said about that person back. Because what happens is, if I have an issue with Joey and I go and tell Jeremiah about it, then Jeremiah takes, maybe he takes my side and he gets mad at Joey and now he has an issue. But then Joey and I go to lunch and we, we cry and we hug each other and we're, we're, we're like, you know, we're eating hamburgers and onion rings and we're having, we're having a, a kumbaya moment, but we don't bring Jeremiah in on that. Well, then Jeremiah, I know he wouldn't do this, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying he goes and tells Garrett and he goes and tells Joe and he tells somebody else and all of a sudden he's gotten four or five other people people, a coalition, and they're all hating on Joey, but, but Joey and I have worked out our issue. You see, what would have happened if I would have just gone straight to him and handled it biblically? Then I don't have disaster all around me because I'm willing just to deal one-on-one with the person that I have an issue with. So many times we get that backwards. We go to everyone else first and then to the person that we have issue. We're not always, let me help you out this morning. We're not always going to agree on everything. We're just not. We're not going to agree on everything. This last year in the greater body of Christ, we've seen that. We're going to have disagreements over mandates. We're going to have different agreements over politics, social justice, women in ministry. There's so many topics in the last year that if you've looked at ChristianPost.com or CharismaNews.com, you've seen different, different uh, opinions on different things that cause conflict and cause division in, in places and churches. But the reality is this. That if we'll just handle it biblically, if we'll go one-on-one instead of telling everybody else about it, that most of our conflicts could be handled. The issue becomes when we air our grievance with a person publicly before ever going to them privately. Some things just don't need to be taken public. Did you notice that Jesus was referencing sin issues? He says if a person sins against you, he wasn't addressing leadership decisions. He wasn't addressing leadership decisions. I've seen more churches torn apart, not because of sin, but because of leadership decisions. Because somebody didn't agree with what the pastor did or youth pastor did or the board did. It wasn't a sin issue. They just wouldn't have done it that way. My very, well, I may get in trouble for this, but it's okay. My very first church, I had a, I had a man, a well-meaning man. He was on the board of our church. He came to me. He didn't go to the pastor. He came to me, and, and, and he was upset with me over something, but then he brought the pastor into it because he'd kept a record of wrongs, right? So he was upset over me because I, as the youth pastor, we were doing a fundraiser, and I actually counted the money every night. How many think that that's a good, when you're doing a multi-day fundraiser, you should count the money every night. You should take all the money and give it to the pastor or the bookkeeper at the church who has access to the safe to put the money into the safe and not leave thousands of dollars in a cash box. How many think that's a good idea? I thought it was a great idea. 
And so that's what I did. Well, he got upset because they had never done it that way before. They'd always left the money in the box so that they could constantly count it. Well, what I did was I just put how much we had in the box. So it was already counted, but he wanted to physically count it. So he got mad at me. And he, he came to me and he said, I can't believe that you were doing He's chewing me out. And he said, and I'll tell you what, our pastor doesn't know how to manage a church. He doesn't run our church like a business because he buys these types of forks and spoons, plastic forks and spoons. I let him know real quick that he wasn't going to come to me because that was not how we handle conflict. And we don't handle conflict biblically. The next thing I did was I got on the phone with the pastor and I said, Hey, pastor, I think you need to know one of your board members is talking about you. Here's the reality. Is that an issue that we need to be upset with people about? Is plastic forks and plastic spoons? No, it's not sin. Who cares? Like that's not a reason to split a church over. There's, there's so many things, and, and, and listen, let me just tell you, I love this place. This is a healthy church, but I'm helping you out in life because your workplaces may not be healthy, your homes may not be healthy, your, your other places. Leadership decisions are not a reason for you to split a family, a workplace, a church, a school, wherever you're at. Political opinions, that's not a reason. Let me help, uh, help us out today. We don't all agree politically we don't all agree politically and it's okay guess what we need to do have intelligent conversations listen I, I I tend to listen I have strong political opinions but I try to listen to friends who don't I I follow people on my social media who I know totally disagree with me and guess what I can do I can sit down at and I can sit down at a meal and listen to them and disagree with them and still love them because guess what I I know that relationships matter people matter when it is walking and it is a sin issue you go to the person privately if they don't change then you go then you don't take it to the church at that point then you go and you go through the process. I will tell you this, only one time, one time in my over 20 years of pastoral ministry have I ever seen it have to get to step three when it was a sin issue. Only one time. And it was a guy who was having an affair on his wife and pastor went to him, pastor took an associate with him and went to him and by the time he still wouldn't relent and so finally we had to we it had to go before the body and we had to wrap our arms around his family that he was leaving a destructive path only one time in the history of my ministry have I ever seen it have to get to three because guess what when you handle conflict biblically 99.999% of the time there's resolution when we all have the right spirit amen so Matthew 5:23 says, so if you're standing before the altar in the temple offering a sacrifice to God and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there beside the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. The second thing I want you to see is respond with a soft answer. Joseph said to his brothers, verse 3, I am Joseph, is my father still living? 
But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. He didn't say, you bunch of idiots, why did you throw me in the pit? He said, is my, is my father still living? Come close to me. I can imagine that Joseph was sitting on some sort of throne, and his brothers came in, and, and then he, he invites them to come close to him at his place of honor, at his place of authority. He didn't want everybody else to hear his business, and he also didn't attack them. So look at his words again. He says, I am Joseph, if my father's still living. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. The King James Version says, a soft answer. A soft answer. The third thing, write this down, says, uh, don't seek revenge for past hurts. How many of you know we said earlier, don't keep a record of wrongs, right? And he says in verse 3, I am Joseph, is my father still alive? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified. Then Joseph says, come close to me. And when they had done so, he says, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here. Because it was to save your lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve you, a remnant on earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So we see from Scripture that Joseph had been treating badly by his brothers. They spoke unkind words to him. They tore his coat, his special coat. They threw him in a pit to die. They sold him into slavery. And these allegations are a lot more serious than what many of us may experience, whether in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools. I know growing up, one of my aunts told the other aunt, she said this, um, that, that she was adopted. And she said, if you ever say anything, they're going to send you back. Now, that's a funny story that our family tells from time to time. That's nothing compared to what Joseph experienced. It wasn't just a little teasing of, hey, you're adopted. How many of you, your siblings, told you you were adopted? Come on. Yeah. Thank you, Jared. We love you, buddy. <laughs> you guys are. Uh, <laughs> bind us together, Lord. <laughs> and oh, well, we probably shouldn't have raised our hand on that. Let's move on. <laughs> it's funny things when we're talking about adoption, but this is—I mean—they took it to the next level. They threw him in a pit. They said, listen, you're staying there. You're going to die. And then they were like, oh, hey, let's make a little money off of him. Hey, there's the slave traders. Come on, let's sell him into slavery. So they sell their brother into slavery. Yet here's what he didn't do. Here's what Joseph didn't do. He didn't seek revenge. He didn't seek revenge. Luke Leviticus 19.18 says, never seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. That leads us to the last point is this, is genuinely show love. At verse 8, it says, so then it was, he says, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord over 
all Egypt. Come down to me, don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you, your children, and your grandchildren, your flocks and herds, and all you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Joseph didn't just not seek revenge, but he offered them a way of life. He offered them provision in the midst of a famine. He offered it not only to them, but to their kids, their grandkids, their flocks, everything they had. That's genuine care. That's genuine love. And we said from the beginning of this series that love has to be the foundation for all relationships. In fact, in the midst of conflict, the best way to handle it is to show genuine love. Do we care more about being right or do we care more about the other person? Do we care more about the relationship or do we care more about winning? Conflict is going to happen in life. But if we truly love our neighbor as ourselves, then sometimes we have to look past personality quirks. Sometimes we have to look past the way that we would do things. We have to resolve conflict. And sometimes the best way to resolve conflict is to agree to disagree. When it's not matters of Scripture, let me, let me help you out there. When it's not a matter of Scripture, when it's not a matter of Scripture, I want to say this. One of the things that irritates my wife is when my socks are on the floor. Come on, husbands, you know what you're talking about that. Yeah, but you know when I'm shooting it like Michael Jordan, and sometimes I, I miss, and it's more like Sean Bradley and not uh, Michael Jordan, then, then guess what happens? Or Shaq, you know, free throw. Uh, it, it, it bounces off, and I, I, you know, forget it. Next morning, go there sometime. You know, it happens. But she still loves me. Guess what? I've learned over the course of 25 years, it's 20-something years, how, how many 23. There we go. I had to do the math in my head real quick. I've learned over the course of 23 years that when I miss the free throw, I've got to get up out of bed and go uh, pick it up and put it in the laundry basket because I care more about her than I care about my way of doing things. Doesn't mean that we don't have conflict from time to time over how to do the dishwasher, how to fold the towel. Now this one, this one over here, good night. Uh, she'll, she, Maddie, she'll just unfold the towel and refold it, you know, and uh, it, it happens. But, but there's ways that we all, we get into our ruts and our routines and our things and our, our way of doing things. And guess what, guys? The relationship's more important. The relationship is more important. So when we're struggling with conflict, we need to go back to that love that we have because 1 John 4, 19 says we love because guess what? He first loved us. And if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So we're to love one another. Because it's not talking about just your, your, your family 
brother there. It's talking about each other. It's talking about here in the church and in the body of Christ. We've got to love one another. And guess what? I want you to understand something. I love this place because I do believe that this is a place that loves God, loves people, and gives hope. And I, I, will, I will do everything in my power that, to, to make this a place where people feel like they're a part of a, a genuine family of, that loves one another and, and cares for one another. But one of the ways that we have to do that is to make sure that always we're handling conflict in a biblical manner. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. God, we ask that you would open up our minds and our spirits and our hearts, that that everything we do and say, God, would bring you glory. God, that even in the midst of our struggles and our fights, and I don't bat a thousand on this, God, but I'm asking you to help me and help us as individuals, that whether the conflict's in our workplace, in our home, whether it's in our, in our, our friend groups, whether wherever it's at, if it's in our schools, God, that you would help us to be the kind of people, God, that would love first, that would seek to resolve, that would listen well, and handle conflict in a biblical manner. God, thank you for bringing us into this place today to worship you and to learn and grow together. Those of you that are in this room today and those watching online with your heads bowed and your eyes closed today, I pray God would just stir your heart and your spirit this morning. Maybe you're watching today and you don't know Jesus or you're in this room this morning and you need to accept him as your Lord and Savior. The fact is God loved you so much that he gave his son to die a very cruel death on the cross for your sin. In a moment, we're going to pray a prayer together and I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer with me. I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud and repeat it after me, whether you're watching it today at your room or some other location or you're driving down the road. I'm going to ask you just to pray this prayer out loud and mean it in your heart today. Because I believe if you do, you will be saved in this, in this place or whatever place you're watching, participating from today. Come on, would you say, dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I believe you're the Son of God. You died, rose again, and you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me today? If you prayed that prayer a minute and you're watching online today, would you send us an email at prayer at hopefamily.tv? Would you connect with Pastor Ben through the message there? He wants to pray with you today. If you're in the room at the end of the service today, please come see me. I want to connect with you. I want to, I want to help you on your journey, on your spiritual journey as you, as, you grow, as you grow to be more like Jesus today. As I thought about this moment and how we could conclude this today, I realized that this is not a moment For me to say, hey, if you're having conflict with somebody, run to the altar. Because this really is a moment for you to be private and to handle it biblically. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you this moment to make this a moment between you and God. Right where you're at, there may be some that have been in a conflict and You need God to speak to you about your involvement in it. One of my favorite things to do if somebody comes to me for counseling, because I'm not a professional counselor, I'm just a pastor. 
One of my favorite things to do is when somebody comes in, they start telling me about their wife and what all she's done and what, you know, or their wife's telling me about their husband and what all they've done. I say, I say, great. Now, what about you? Because here's the reality. Most conflicts, God needs to deal with both of us, not just one of us. He needs to deal with both of us. So let's just assume, here's what I say, let's just assume they're the worst person in the world. What does God need to do with you? Some of you are like, I'm never going to you for counseling, Pastor. <laughs> I'm going to go somebody else. I'm not, I'm not going. Because, but that's the truth. We need to work on ourselves. So this morning, Jeremiah is going to lead us in this song called At Your Whisper. And I'm asking you to make this a moment between you and God. That if there's something, whether it's a friend group, a family member, somebody that you're having an issue or conflict with, or maybe there's just something that's been rubbing you the wrong way, would you allow God to deal with you in this moment? Allow God to deal with you in this moment at this time uh, today and allow him to minister to you as, as we sing this song this morning. Go ahead, Jeremiah, lead us today. Over all the noise, let me hear your voice. Come and silence every lie inside my head. Would you fill the void with the loudest joy until the sound of echo echoes in my chest? The moment that you speak moment that you breathe, it changes everything. At your whisper, my freedom in the sound, my heart will know the power of mountains moved in me. At your whisper, Breathe. 
come into your house where we're gathered in your name worship you in spirit and in truth and God I pray that you would bless and keep you and make your face shine down upon them be gracious to each and every person and give them peace in Jesus name amen our friends online today thank you so much for joining us Those are